Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the China Shop. You made it. Get inside for another exciting interview episode. I'm Dan, your shopkeeper. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing pretty good. Always excited to get another Aussie in the shop. Oh, we got another Aussie in the shop. We are proud to welcome Phil Muscatello from StocksForBeginners.com. Just Stocks for Beginners. Whichever, I'll fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you doing today, Phil? I'm really well. A bit cold, but um, yeah, really good. Thank you very much for um, inviting me on. This is a real pleasure and an honor to be on such a, a distinguished finance podcast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did I, did I read that script? Did I read yeah. that script correctly? <laughs> you nailed right. it. Yeah, yeah. Dan, are you sending people prompts when I'm not looking? <laughs> no. If it was me, it would be more about how good looking I am. Oh, fair enough. Maybe well, we that's right. Start. Sorry, I missed the part about how good looking you you guys both yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> just dad, how the find you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fun already. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Phil? How did you uh, How did you get started with the podcast? How did you get started investing? Well, um, just before we do that, I just wanted to ask you a question because I've been doing oh. some research into you guys and um, having swabs done, and um, I heard this the other day. Next week, we'll be recording with Phil Muscatello, host of Shares for Beginner podcast, and on Monday, we're also recording the next installment of Back to the Futures. Yeah, that's the big one right there. That's the one. You can, you can just edit down all the other ones or speed it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I just wanted to say... Editing down, but um, you'll be hearing from my attorneys if this is over-edited. <laughs> we should have left that in there. I'm pretty sure I got <laughs> Oh, wow. Fair Taste enough. of our own medicine. Wow. Anyway. To be anyway, fair, it's a tough act to follow the guys at Order for the Labs. <laughs> the following. <laughs> oh. Anyway, guys, um, back to me, because this uh, episode is about me, isn't it? <laughs> this is about you, yes. How'd you get that on the soundboard, by the way? Uh, oh, look, so my good. background's in radio, <laughs> so I've got I've got a lot of technical tools in, in, um, that I have at my disposal, and a lot of experience in this area. <laughs> oh. uh, Dan might finally get his beef. Yeah, right. His beef. <laughs> He's been trying to start beef with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the one who said it. I just laughed at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll see what we can do. Maybe mince. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> nice. All right, so let's jump right into this then and uh yeah, why don't yeah. you tell the audience why they should be interested in you more so than order flow labs yeah <laughs> <laughs> um look it's uh it's it's a long 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 story and um i mean We've as i just time. mentioned i'm from a radio background media production background music background and um so i didn't really have any experience in the stock market although for many many years i've been investing 
poorly. And so I put together my radio background and, um, you know, which gives me the skills to make podcasts. And I've always been a, a bit addicted to podcasts even before they became the thing that they are now. And um, I was looking around for ideas for podcasts. And then I just suddenly had this thought, which obviously resonated with you guys as well, is that uh, maybe I could improve my own investing by talking to experts in the area. And that's how I started. And yeah, you know, really, I, I had no idea what it would, who I, be, I would be talking to, and who, what kind of guests I was, I would find. But then I found so many people wanted to come on and share their experience as well. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it was. I mean, I get this undue respect now as a podcaster. Right? <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys have filled this experience, not as much as you, I'm sure, but we get a little bit <laughs> enough to surprise <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, it'll come. It'll come. Yeah. Um, but so I started a podcast called Shares for Beginners in Australia, and I think uh, the SEO on that was really good because people, if you put shares in your podcast app here, mine is the first one come up that comes up. So I thought I would give that a go in the United States as well. So I created Stocks for Beginners, invited a whole group of guests on to come on that. And now, again, I seem to have this undue respect in the finance industry or certain sectors of the finance industry in the States and have no trouble finding guests and you know, trying to beat them away with a stick at the moment. <laughs> right. I, I think that, uh, I, I think that people in this field are people that try to like seriously trade. They just want to mm. give back. Like that it's, it seems like it's part of everyone's nature to try to give back to the community. There's so much free information out there and they're all like open books. They always want to share. Well, I think there's that, but I mean, obviously there's people who want to sell something. They've got a book well, that they want to sell or, or um, you know, their product <laughs> or their service or their trading service. But um, I was actually interested in your guys, you guys and your approach and how, so it is actually trading rather than long-term investing that you guys are interested in? Is that the case? That's what we're trying to learn. Uh, that's not yeah. to say that we don't hold uh, long-term investments. I think one of mm. the our first guests told us that uh, every trader eventually becomes a long-term investor. <laughs> like that's the <laughs> that's the ultimate goal of trading. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is what we're actively trying to pursue uh is mm -hmm. to, to learn how to day trade or, or swing trade or, or more shorter term scalping that kind of stuff. Yeah, because that's the the journey. Oh, don't you hate that word journey? My investing journey. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to call it the uh, the Camino, <laughs> the investing Camino. <laughs> it's more like the Trail of Tears. <laughs> <laughs> the Vale of Tears, that's correct. Um, because I did a lot of that um, and um, researching what you guys are doing as well, I noticed that you um, have uh, had an interest in covered calls, which is where, which was my gateway drug into mm. um, options trading. And so mm -hmm. I've done quite a bit of options trading over the years, but really what's changed for me and having spoken to so many guests and so many e experts is to have the core satellite approach where you just basically have your core of um, ETFs. I mean, I've got, you know, ASX 200, Australian stock market um, 200. I've got an S&P 500, some mm -hmm. bond ETFs and so forth. But then my trading side of it is only just very, very small and to the, to the edges of it. Mm -hmm. And one of the main things I learned, one of the best things I ever learned from a guest, and it really resonated with me, is match your risk to your experience. Mm. And those words have just changed everything for me. And I, I wish that when I first started that I'd known about that. 
And um, sorry, I've got a few things grinding my gears here. Do you mind if I <laughs> if I rabbit on a bit? <laughs> oh, no, no, Please no, do. No. I, I do want to comment on the risk management portion, but oh yeah, no, there isn't. Okay, well, let's talk about risk management, please. Uh, well, my question is: if the information was presented to you when you were first starting out, do you think it would have mm. made a difference? Oh, definitely. Well, I had no idea about risk management, N- none whatsoever. I mean. Now I know about um, putting a stop loss in mm-hmm. place, for example, which would um, you know help you to to manage your risk. But um, that's the other point I was going to make: is just trusting people. You can't trust anyone, <laughs> and I unfortunately got into the hands of a broker and not realizing, being you know much younger and much more stupid than I am now, uh, that our interests were not aligned. Mm-hmm. Was this uh, like a, a prof- like a person, or is are you talking about yes. just a platform? No, no, a person. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I've been I've been around for a, quite a while. So this was um, when um, there was not so many brokerage accounts, and they were it was much more expensive to trade and right. so forth. Yeah, I I do have a question for you. Then, do you remember the yes, office please. that the broker worked in? <laughs> uh, yes, very very lovely view of the Sydney Opera House and the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the uh, the harbour. <laughs> what was on the TV, and how friendly was the receptionist? Um, the oh, the the receptionist was very friendly. The lunches he used to take me out to were very very nice. I don't remember what was on the TV. Why why, why would the TV make a difference? Well, I guess a brokerage is different than a financial advisor. Uh, we just had a guest on that told us some red flags mm. to watch out for. So if the mm. the receptionist doesn't care or is gruff or yeah anything but very very friendly, that's one red flag. And if they're mm-hmm. displaying like Mad Money or CNBC instead of like home life network on the TVs. And that's another red flag. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just curious if uh, there is a correlation there. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. This was all very, very flash. But this was a brokerage. This wasn't financial mm. advice. This was okay, a brokerage. Okay. And yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really understand the difference and I should have. <laughs> right. Um, in fact, one of my guests, uh, Stanley H. Teitelbaum, who I would highly recommend you get on your podcast as well. He's a psychologist. And um, he's got a great um, piece on uh, on financial advisors and the seven questions you should ask a financial advisor. <laughs> Are you crooked? Well, the first one is when they're presenting you with a list of investments uh, to ask them, do you invest in those? And if not, why not? Oh, right. Also, uh, what sort of commission do you get for me investing in these? Oh yeah, well that should be one of the basic ones, of course. I know, and, right? Uh, people just don't. Yeah, people just don't know about that. That's ah, oh, it's funny the the psychology aspect of trading as you mentioned the, the Stanley and the psychology. Like ah, oh, did you ever realize how much of that was going to be tied into trying to learn how to trade or invest or just in general? I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea about how much psychology was involved in it and the fear that you would feel, the greed that you would feel. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, Stanley, I'll just refer back to Stanley because I got so much from this particular episode. The one emotion that I never realized that would play so much in, in investing is shame. Have you experienced shame? <laughs> uh, yes, because we're, oh, I'd say, open books with our <laughs> trading. Like I post all my trades in the Discord. So if I make a stupid decision, mm. then everyone gets to see it. Yep. Uh, I also put my journal entries in there too. We have a recurring segment too that, uh, that focuses on the dumb stuff we did in the past week. <laughs> <laughs> the book of shame. <laughs> yes, yes. 
<laughs> Actually, that'd be a great segment, wouldn't it be? Uh, the Book of Shame. <laughs> but really, shame is, for me, has been a real eye-opener, just realising, first of all, the shame of failed trades mm -hmm. um, and the shame, looking back at with shame over what you've done and thinking about how stupid one has been in the past. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that's that's something I've really had to overcome. The other aspect of that, too, is just seeing all the uh, the the gain porn on, pardon my French, on Twitter mm, and mm. Reddit and stock twits, mm. like the people who, who YOLO, you know, their life savings into like <laughs> weekly options and then posting their million bagger gains like, uh, uh, mm, OK. Mm. And then you like you tried to make a smart trade and then you're sitting there like, you know, trying to scratch your head, figuring out where it all went wrong. Well, it's also you get you get lucky, you know, very early on. And I got lucky with one options trade. I purchased a call option, which overnight jumped over. I, don't, I can't remember. I think it was like a a thousand dollar investment that uh, went to fifteen thousand dollars overnight. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can imagine how great that feels. You know, you take your buddy out to lunch the next day, and uh, <laughs> then you realise how hard it, it is to repeat that kind of um, thing without any and especially when you have no plan <laughs> you're just working on blind tin ass luck the real question is how much did that fifteen thousand dollar win actually cost you um in terms of well now you've got a little bit of confidence you've made a trade that oh. worked out and mm -hmm. you now you're going to be chasing those returns thinking yep. that you're trying to find the next one so how much mm -hmm. like i find that like the big wins i think were more detrimental to my uh, growth as a trader yep so what, what is your um, particular style of uh, trading? Is there any particular style of options trading that you, um, <clears throat> that you follow? Uh, I stick more to the swings. Um, I like mm -hmm. the like, you know, weeks, a couple weeks to a month out. Um, I like the selling options premium. Yep. Uh, but I don't do as much of that as I have. I've been focusing uh, uh, more heavily on futures lately. Mm-hmm. As we've been doing the collaboration with the uh, the aforementioned uh, villains of this <laughs> episode, <laughs> uh, yes. I've been I've been doing the options trading day with like the day trading on the mm -hmm. options. Mm -hmm. And um, what do you use? Do you use technical? Yeah, all technical analysis for sure. Yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. mostly technical analysis. Uh, I I think we've talked to some people who use fundamentals, but uh, we haven't. I haven't personally studied them all that much. I mean, I know mm. how to read a balance sheet and, and that kind of thing, but... Show off. Well, I mean, not well. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it all comes down to uh, the price. Like when you're trying mm -hmm. to figure out whether something's undervalued or overvalued, like it just seems meaningless when there's a competitive auction taking place every day that's telling you exactly what it, the value of this asset is right now. Yeah, it's incredible technical analysis, isn't it? I mean, I was just... Before we came on, I was just looking, uh, we're recording on the 23rd of August, I believe. Uh, yes, yes. Yep. Um, it's the 24th here. I was, <laughs> <Yeah. ask>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just, um, I was just having a look at the, um, uh, the S&P 500 chart mm -hmm. and what a perfect candle. No, sorry, not a uh, candle. It's a, what's it called? A shooting star. Is it a shooting star today that's being formed in the candle for the S&P 500? Oh, what is the one at the bottom? I thought sh isn't uh, <laughs> set, setting up a, a evening star. Evening you know, star. star. That's 
It's an evening star at the moment, isn't it? It's like one of those holding patterns, you know, the market doesn't know whether it's going to go up, it's going to go down. Um, you know, it's, we're, we're right on the verge of a bull or a bear market, aren't we? Right. Yes. Mm. This is true. Well, it's really interesting too, is look at where we actually stopped on those rotations. Mm. Look, if you look at the daily chart, you can see where we've been rotating in this spot two times before. What does that mean? Can you explain that to me? The rotations? Yeah, rotations, yeah. Uh, that's just a, a tight range that price has been bouncing up and down in. So, Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. trying mm-hmm. to find balance. Yeah, yeah. Range, range trading. Yes. Mm-hmm. So those balance areas tend to be magnets. If we were to, to lose this balance area, which is the bottom somewhere around like 407 on the S&P, uh, you can expect us to try to make a push down to the next one. It's. Um, I, I love the idea of technical analysis, and I love studying it, and I love looking at charts. Um, it, to me, that's where the psychology is reflected the most. Mm-hmm. Do you find that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the technicals are basically they work because of market emotions, right? Mm, mm. Yeah, that's why they work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I've I've got so many different um, uh, indicators that I've used, but. Um, since becoming a bit more long-term with my longer-term holdings, I found this one great chart that was pointed out to by another guest on the podcast. And um, it's I can't. It's very difficult to talk about charts in an audio format. I know, but, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But if I can just um, draw you the picture that it's a five-year chart using line, okay, no no bars or candles or anything, just using line only um, on a monthly time frame. And when you look at that chart and then draw, just basically draw, draw two lines, mm-hmm. you get this, such a great overview on the long-term overview on a particular stock and where mm-hmm. it's heading. It's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been fascinating. And so I think sometimes it's also good because I know day traders and people who want to trade, you're looking at, I don't know, do you look at five-minute charts or you're looking at um, day charts? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> to do it right, uh, you should yeah. be starting with at least a weekly chart and working your way in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Even though, as a day, you know, if you're trading on the day trading time frame, levels that you care about, maybe the the long term investor doesn't care about. But you better damn well mm. sure that the long term investor doesn't care about your little intraday levels. If you come up into a level that's interesting on the weekly time frame, mm. uh, it wipes. It doesn't matter what you what you found on your five minute chart. <laughs> that's really interesting, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I think that's something that listeners who are interested in technical analysis should be aware of, that the different focuses that you can have on charts, and it's really worthwhile going out to five years, even 10 years, mm-hmm. I think, in so many charts. So what style do you invest with? Like, what, what do you, uh, like when you look at a stock and then you decide, like, how do you make a decision that uh, this is something that you want to invest in? Um, well, like I said, I'm um, mainly invested in ETFs at the moment. Okay. Um, and I'm not a great fundamental researcher. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not a great fundamental researcher. So mm-hmm. I basically follow what other people are doing and try and accumulate in my, well, we don't have Roths or, 401ks, but the the Australian equivalent, trying to accumulate very good large cap stocks in mm. the portfolio at um, at the best kind of times. Uh, my trading, the what I do for trading are credit spreads. 
you know, credit spreads. Yeah. Um, on ASX 200. You can explain that if you want for the listeners though. Yeah. ASX 200 futures basically. And I do that with my new broker who's got my, <laughs> much more my interests <laughs> at heart. <laughs> so a credit spread is when you, um, say you think the market is going down. So you sell a call option and then you buy a, uh, another one, uh, sorry, a higher option as protection. So basically you're going to get the premium. You're not going to get as much premium because you've bought yourself protection at mm -hmm. a higher level. <clears throat> and um, you're hoping that um, within two weeks, three weeks time frame that you've bought this, um, that the, these both these options will expire worthless and you get to keep the premium. Mm -hmm. Is that a good explanation of a credit spread? I think so. Uh, it's just, yeah. uh, it's like a, I, we just talked about this, didn't we, Dan? Uh, yeah, with the uh, options AI uh, CC Lagator. Yeah, the, it's mm. the opposite of the vertical spread. It's basically selling it instead of buying it. Yeah. So that's another thing. I've, I've never done the vertical spread. How how does that um, differ? Uh, instead of like, whereas you'd be selling like the you'd be selling the one, and then the less expensive one, you'd be buying that one to cap your protection. You just it's mm -hmm. the opposite of that. You'd be buying the the more expensive one and selling the less yep. expensive one. And what that does is that helps kind of offset some of the volatility that's priced in. Mm -hmm. And the cost. Yeah. Uh, it caps your gains, but yeah, it also reduces the cost of the options contract to begin with. Yeah. So you referred previously to um, selling contracts or uh, buying, you know, trying to get the premium in. And mm -hmm. in what form do you usually um, take that? Sorry, I'm not sure. Is it Dan or Kyle that's, that's doing that? Uh, that's me, Kyle. Uh, oh, I, I, <laughs> I like to just sell against uh, just some of the assets that I have in my account just to generate a little bit of extra income. So I'll look mm -hmm. at like when it gets to a good level where I think like, oh, okay, uh, this is at the top of rotational area or this is at a key resistance level, then I'll sell mm. at the money uh, on a monthly. And then next month when it comes time to for that to either expire or if my shares look like they'll get called away, then I'll just roll it to another month. Mm -hmm. So, do you have to have collateral to do that? Yes, you need a margin account uh, for yeah. for most of them. But I think Dan, uh, you you have a non mar you have a cash only. But I think you could still sell covered calls because they're covered by the stock, right? Correct. correct. But if mm. you were to if you were to do something like to like you can't sell them naked, or you couldn't do some of those. Can you do the spreads on your account too? No, no, I would need margin for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So covered calls for, you know, I just referred, that was my gateway drug mm -hmm, yeah. in our discussion. And um, covered calls, to me, they, they seem like a, a no-brainer that you, you hold the stock and that you sell a covered call a bit higher. And um, if you're uh, called in that you will just have to sell the stock for a profit, which seemed like a, a very risk-free deal. But then if you get onto that treadmill, I find, you have to keep on buying stock. And then if the stock goes down, that income doesn't come back at you. Do you find that? Uh, no, the nice thing about uh, the, the if your shares get called away, then you can just turn around later and, and sell a put and use that to re-enter. Oh, okay. All right. See, I didn't have that plan. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's how, <laughs> I think Warren Buffett uh, is a big proponent of that. Like if you want to buy shares of something, yeah. Uh, look at the price point where you'd be really happy to own it and then sell a cash secured put because if it goes uh, down you then yeah. you're happy if it doesn't then you still get the profit yeah yep. yeah well that's brilliant he's brilliant that warren buffett isn't, isn't he right. <laughs> he knows the thing or two go figure we've been trying to get him on but uh we we don't have quite that much clout yet 
<laughs> well, you've had some pretty impressive guests, though, going back and having a look at it. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Who's your, who was your favourite guest? Phil Muscatello. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you guys. <laughs> I got to say, uh, I think Rich Friesen. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's our psychologist friend. Yeah, he's good. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he taught us quite a bit of stuff about ourselves. Uh, I think we actually did some like therapy sessions on, on air. <laughs> he sat us down on the couch and then kind of like walked us through like some of the, the issues that hold us back in our trading selves. So how did you come into this? You guys come into this yourself? Did you have a similar experience to me, you know, just interested in it, but bad at it? Uh, I actually got into it when I was about 13 years old, I came across this book mm. on drip investing, dividend reinvestment plans mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. And I was like, this will be my retirement. Here I am. I got I got a check from grandma for my birthday. I got, I got a little bit of cash saved up. I think I had like $300, which was so much money to a 13-year-old damn. Yeah. And I went and I just arbitrarily, I was like, hey, utilities companies, they, they seem safe. Everybody's going to buy electricity forever. And uh, I went ahead and I, I bought some uh, of a Midwest utility company, dividend reinvestment. I had it for years and years. And it was growing. I think it was up, got about 10 times. As, it got to about 3000 some dollars when uh, Enron happened and it just crashed the whole utility sector. And they discontinued dividends. They discontinued the dividend reinvestment. And uh, I just got discouraged and very typical retail beginner, not knowing anything, move, sold. Mm. Uh, and, and then that money's long gone. That, w- that was my first, my first taste to the world. If I'd, if I'd known now, then what I know now. Yeah. W- yeah. If you'd known now what you know now, you'd be still holding and be um, laughing right at the moment, I'm assuming. <laughs> I would. I would. I really would. <laughs> the, the podcast itself got started because you sent me a book, Dan. What was that? Is the one of the Darvis books? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how I made like with five million in the market in the fifties. <laughs> I yeah. think. Yeah, the podcast kind of started with just a phone call. We were talking to each other about once a week or almost every day, mm-hmm. I think, at that point. And then we thought, yeah, we got we got in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, we thought, hey, maybe people want to hear what we have to say or what we're learning. Mm-hmm. Let's let's try to actually learn this. Yeah. Two years <laughs> later, we're still trying. Still trying to learn. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know. It's uh, it's terrible. You just and you keep on say, making the same mistakes, don't you? And then you tell yourself never again, and then you do it again, and then you tell yourself never again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. never going to over trade and trade outside my levels, Kyle. Never, never, never. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not until tomorrow when the market's open again. I'll tell you what, though, the more that we've learned and the more that we've defined our strategies and our plans and put that down to actual paper, like those mistakes have been coming fewer and fewer between. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, well, that's good. It's good to hear. It's good to hear that you you fellows are growing. That's why I asked you at the beginning about risk management, if you thought that mm. the information would have been helpful to you. Yeah. Uh, we were really blessed to, to meet George Papazov from TradePro Academy. He gave us access to all of his course material, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like three or four months into the podcast. And now all the stuff that I'm learning, I'm going back and like, I wish I knew that then. And I'm looking at the course mm. material like, oh, shit, he taught us all that. I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know yeah. what it meant. I didn't know how to. You didn't have the context. Yeah. I think we're just so blessed at the moment, you know, like, you know, I'm old enough. My first trade was actually where I walked into a broker's office and he suggested a stock to buy um, 
and I said, okay. I handed over a check and, uh, you know, he, he wrote it down on a piece of paper and gave it to his assistant who went down to the stock exchange where they were still using chalkboards, you know. I mean, right. none of that sort of vintage <laughs> when, it, when I first did it. Well, that wasn't that long ago, though. Uh, it was the late 80s, I think, around about 1988, something like that. Uh, trading places about that time? <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. Yeah, yeah, it could have been about that sort of time. And today, people can get so much information. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some poor information. There's some mm. good information. Hopefully, both of us are trying to give what we see as good information. Yep. And there's so many mistakes that you don't have to make if you listen just to a few sensible voices to get you going. You know, don't mm -hmm. risk too much. Um, single stock shock. That's the other one that another guest said. Oh, don't be ever caught by single stock shock. What does that mean? I need a t-shirt with that. Can you explain that? Well, just owning just one, only one, um, one particular company. Ah. And then if you get burnt by that company, that, um, you're going to hit, be hit by that shock and you won't never want to go back into the markets again. Yep. Diversification. Mm hmm. I hear a lot of people talk about that one too. Yeah. But you don't want to be too over diversified either. I don't think. Right. Mm. You know, one of the things that I saw and I was looking through your website mm. uh, is on the getting started for the shares for beginners. Mm. And I really like the message that you had on here about taking a look at yourself and then deciding whether or not you really want to put the effort into trying to learn everything. Or if not, just, just purchase ETFs. I think that's a message Dan and I have been preaching for since we started this as well. Yeah. Well, I think um, many people just have this idea that they're going to be a stock market wizard. They suddenly hear about the stock market mm -hmm. with no idea what's going on, like, you know, I did, and think that they're going to make um, a shitload of money. Right. And- <clears throat> and then they they get completely burnt and wasted by it. I mean, you, you've just had it over in the US last year with the the GameStop saga, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my recent guests was um, a journalist at the Wall Street Journal who's written a book about that, the revolution that wasn't, where he actually showed and demonstrated how the only winners were still Wall Street out of that. Right. Were all those <laughs> right. Reddit warriors, the bored apes, all thought that they were, you know, taking over Wall Street and getting one up over Wall Street. But really, in the end, Wall Street just won again, as they as they completely do. Um, but anyway, I was just going off the topic there just a, a little bit. I think you've really got to spend a lot of time to understand whether you're going to be day trading or whether you're going to be investing, um, whether you want to buy individual companies and invest in them, mm -hmm. you have to put the time and effort into it to do it well. And it's like a language. You're not going to be proficient in the, that language overnight. It's going to take years mm -hmm. of practice and learning and education before you can be halfway good at it. You know, you can get lucky, of course, but uh, that's right. that's not good for long-term investing. And then if you just realize the kind of person you are, if you just sit back and think about it for a minute and whether you are interested, like, like I said on the website, mm -hmm. if you know yourself truly and you realize that that's not who you are, there are so many options for starting out, even micro-investing. You know, you mm -hmm. can start with $5 and just invest in a range of diversified ETFs with very, very little money these days. And again, this is one of the great things in this this world that we live in, that fees have gone down and access to markets. You know, the big the big um, fund managers have realized, you know, in the past they were only interested in very rich people with lots of money, but they realized, right. well, they can actually make a lot of money out of lots and lots and lots of small accounts as well. And that's it's of such 
benefit to investors. Well, didn't the banking industry have a similar revolution at some point in our history where it used to be for the rich and then they realized that, hey, we can... Uh, we, can- <laughs> well, you can screw the poor as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not quite whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not quite that. <laughs> we love the banking industry. <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> this is backtracking a little bit, but I actually had a, a, a revelation or an epiphany, I guess you could call it, uh, myself not too long ago. Like for the people that think that they're just going to jump in and learn how to trade and be brilliant at it right off the bat, like you have to think about where the money that you're making comes from. Mm. When you're trading, it's there's no like the stock market isn't like giving you money. It doesn't hold money. Like you're making money off of other people's losses. Like somebody's on the other side of your transaction. Like when you're pulling equity out, you're pulling it from somebody. Yeah. So you really have to be good, <laughs> at least better than half, you would think, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. In order to be able to make money consistently. So that means putting a lot of time and effort into doing it. I don't really get that um, zero-sum game idea of it because people are investing, or sorry, people are trading, especially when we're talking options, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So I don't think necessarily the other side of the trade is losing if if you're winning and vice versa. Long-term investing, I would agree, because there's other things that go into making more value for the company. Mm. But uh, as a day trader, I would think that, that that would play more of a role. Are you are you going all ESG on me, Kyle? <laughs> ESG, what does that mean? ESG, environment, social governance, you know, oh. ethical, ethical investing, and all that. Oh no, no, no! I don't care about the ethics. I'm talking about like why I need to be good. <laughs> but, um, I think um, I think ESG. I think ESG is important because we've got to think about the kind of world we're going to be leaving for Keith Richards. <laughs> you think he's going to make it past? He's never going to die. Never, <laughs> undoubtedly, never. He's already got a robot body. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say you've talked to quite a few people on your podcast as well. Like, what are some mm. of the other key uh, uh, like things that stuck with you, like through the different guests that you've spoken to? I knew we were going to ask this, and I should have researched this a little bit better because <laughs> psychology has been the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And um, with all my guests, I love all my children. You know, but yeah. I do. You know, you always love one more than the others. You don't say it though. <laughs> no, they're not to their face. <laughs> Although you are my favourite guest, if we, if yes. we simulcast this, which I think we will, because we are actually getting through some interesting material here for us. Anyway, that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just overall the, the biggest realization overall is that when we're sitting down trying to research, whether it's doing fundamental or technical research, and then you realise when you speak to a fund manager that the resources that they have at their fingertips is so much more. Mm-hmm. They've got teams of people. They've got um, argument with each other. They've got, um, you know, computer programs, which will do it. That you just realize that, and most of them don't even do better than the market anyway right. with all of those resources. So that's that's a, that's a key thing uh, to, to understand that, well, first of all, you're not going to be able to compete with them on the resources that they have. And even if you did have those resources, you mightn't outperform as well. Right. Well, that just goes to show why the, the, the differentiation between successful and unsuccessful is all to do with psychology. Mm, yeah, that's right. And um, being able to manage your own psychology. Um, and I guess it's also realizing the people that have made me realize that you just have to be so careful about people trying to take money out of your pocket. Mm. And even people like us, you know, we could go to so many trading newsletters 
and be paying for what um, we really should be doing ourselves. Is, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. I am very stingy when it comes to my dollar. If I can do it myself, I do it myself. Yeah, yeah. Stinginess is a virtue, eh? Yeah. Well, sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta, the wife has to cut my hair here in a little bit, so uh, she may disagree. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're taking the financial independence, dependence retire really very seriously, aren't Well, no, you? I just hate I just hate going to get my hair cut. Really? But you're such good-looking guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have pictures on the website? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in a bunny suit. I think personal grooming. I think personal grooming is important. Well, I probably should trim, trim my beard then. Personal grooming is important to trading. I hope you realize that. Oh, how do you mean? <laughs> if you feel good about yourself, if you're wearing good shoes as you do it, you're going to make more money. Ah, good point. Ah, it's the psychology of it. That's why I do better when I shower. <laughs> so my roll out of bed, put on a bathrobe, and just bleary-eyed start trading is not the way to go? Well, I think that's – isn't that the view of the day trader? You know, yeah, it's the, right. They, yes. they have just rolled out of bed. They haven't bothered to shave. They haven't bothered to shower or even <laughs> possibly get dressed. And then they've got an ashtray full of uh, butts that they've been, you know, right. and, and empty right. coffee cups yep, to yep. keep them going through the day. And they've made 10 bucks. Do you have a hidden camera in my room? Is that what's happening? (laughs) Are you reading our journal? I've had swabs done on you as well. (laughs) Uh, That was actually a big uh, moment for me when when I finally put together like an actual morning routine. Mm. I saw immediate improvement uh, when I started like doing a set like, okay, this is... I'm going to go for a you know a 20 minute walk with my wife before the market opens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to look at my levels. I'm going to make sure that I'm my teeth are brushed, uh, that I'm ready to start the day. Like like I actually have a set routine now, and I think that made a huge difference in in the results that I've actually seen. Well, there you go. Personal grooming and investing and trading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who are uh, some of the other favorite guests that you've had then? Yeah, well, I was just going to talk about um, my latest guest on Stocks for Beginners who just came out this week. Um, his name's David Maurice Sharp, and he's an ex-choreographer, an actor. Oh. And um, he basically talks to people in the entertainment industry. He does workshops in New York, and it's basically to get people to from the creative arts and actors and um, dancers and so forth who really don't have very good money management skills mm-hmm. and uh, putting them through workshops. And the interesting thing that he was talking about, what, what I love about it is even though he's you know targeting one particular sector, all of the lessons that he's got apply to anyone who's investing. And I think these days as well, we're moving away from traditional jobs that you hold for 30 or 40 years and so many more jobs are more like a gig economy like it has been for forever for artists and musicians, writers and, you know, the ancillary people that work in production as well. Um, but he was telling this story about um, this uh, uh, soapy star and um, she was in her late 60s and she had all her money invested in very, very um, like treasuries and things like that, cash, cash accounts. And she had no idea how to manage her money. And she started doing one of the workshops and she's still working as a very successful soapy star. But now she calls herself the mogul (laughs) because she's actually (laughs) researching stocks and companies and she's investing and has done very, very well for herself. And the other point that he made was that during the COVID lockdowns, um, and again, that was a double whammy for people in this area is mm. because they they weren't even able to get their usual waitering jobs <clears throat> mm-hmm. because nothing 
was open, but um, a lot of them took the bull by the horns, so to speak, and started doing the workshops. And actually, because they started investing at that particular time, did oh. very, very well. Oh, yes. One of the greatest bull markets I think we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> that COVID rally was something else. Uh, how did you go through that? I mean, I was, you know, again, that was another one of my mistakes and the shame that I feel that I just didn't dollar cost average into that recovery from March 2020. That was right about when we were just starting to learn about the market. So uh, mm. I was, uh, yeah. I'd always been a, a, just a buy and hold investor. Like I find companies that I like that I think have a bright future ahead of them. And those would be the ones that I'd invest in. And I just, mm -hmm. I was just trying to accumulate and I was never ever looking to sell. Yeah. So uh, I did okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't sell anything. But uh, if this, if that was to happen, uh, if that would have happened like a year later, like it might have been a completely different story. Yeah. yeah. I probably would have missed out on quite a bit. Actually, that was one of the lessons I learned. The one thing that I did was um, instead of going into an S&P 500 ETF at that stage, I went into a managed fund mm -hmm. that invested in the, um, in the US stock market. And it did so badly during that period. <laughs> and the only reason I invested in that particular fund was because the manager was a guest on my podcast and a really, oh. really nice guy. <laughs> I hope he's not listening now. <laughs> Have they done any better since then? They've underperformed. The whole company is under, the whole management company has underperformed for years. No, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's a difference between nice guys and people that are good for your account. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, oh, I had another question, but I can't remember what it was now. I'm glad there's other people who are as unorganized as, as me. No, it happens to me all the time. And, and we just fix it in the yeah, edit, right. don't we? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dan does such a good job at that. Oh, thank you. What would you say are some of the differences between trading in American markets and Australian markets? Like, Are, are there difference, differences in how they execute options down there? Because I know like in Europe, no. you, you have a specific date of expiry. Yeah, you can't exercise before in Europe. No, we, we have both styles of options. We have um, European-style options and um, American-style options. Um, and the futures contracts that, <clears throat> that I um, work in are European-style, so they've got a specific date mm -hmm. uh, of expiry. Uh, you don't have that in the United States? You can't do European-style European, European style options with a fixed expiry date? Not on TD Ameritrade, I don't think. I, I, I don't believe that we, we have those kinds of options at all. Yeah. Like the, it has the expiration date that stays still. You can be hit. But any time mm. between now and then, yep. if you sell the option, you, yeah, somebody can call the, the shares away if they want. I think that's actually happened to me once. Yeah, you sort of wonder why they, yeah, why they would do that. But anyway, um, no, we, we can use both. Options are issued here depending on the style of, well, the futures contracts are always European style. They've got a fixed expiry date and they can't be called away from you. Uh, prior. Are there any assets that are traded on like the Australian stock exchanges and the US stock exchanges? And then how does the price correlation work if so? Um, like if there's any arbitrage opportunities? Well, BHP, the um, the biggest mining company in the world, proudly Australian, is um, used to be traded on the London stock exchange and the um, in the US stock market, but it's all been brought back to Australia quite mm -hmm. recently. Um, one of our companies, Afterpay, buy now, pay later company, was bought by Square, I believe. Okay, and is now trading under Block over in the US. But um, no, they're they're quite um, 
yeah, quite unique. And but I think a lot of because of the change now, I know a lot of younger investors are not even bothering with um, investing in the Australian share market. They're just going great straight to Wall Street. <laughs> right. The real action is. <laughs> well, what time is the market actually open for you there? Uh, Ten a.m. Oh, okay. So are, it's not- are you talking about in your time or my time? Your time. Yeah, 10 a.m., 10 till 4. I think you get an extra half hour. It uh, opens at 9.30 in the U.S., is that right? Yeah, yeah. And can't you trade pre-market as well? You've got something where you can trade tr- pre-market? Uh, not usually options, but the stocks and like shares you can. And yeah. then obviously the futures market is uh, pretty much 24-7 with the exception of like Saturday, mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, evening. And then that weird 15-minute period where it shuts down. Um, well, after the end, where it's still trading for 15 minutes afterwards? No, the, the futures in the US, they have like a small window where they shut down every day. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's the same everywhere. I mean, they're just trading all yeah. the time, really, aren't they? Yeah. So weird. I don't know why. Why you need that 30 minutes a day or whatever it is. But they've got to settle everything. They've got to catch up on the paperwork. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all that electronic paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think, they'd, um, <laughs> you think they'd have the algorithms working on that these days, wouldn't you? I know, right? Well, maybe the algorithm gets a union break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think it's worthwhile considering as well how um, our view of Wall Street is changing as well mm-hmm. yeah um the the rich fat cats that want to do nothing more than just squeeze every last dime out of us that view <laughs> well there is that <laughs> there is that aspect <laughs> but how many ordinary workers there are there as well i mean mm-hmm. i haven't been to new york have you guys been to new york i've been once oh yeah or twice yeah. actually yeah, it's my dream. I want to go to New York. So ah, it's, New York. Uh, it's not that great. Uh, at least Isn't not it? anymore. No, not unless you like. Was it? Uh, it's just dirty. Kyle's got a bias against cities. No, I was more impressed with Chicago personally. I thought Chicago was a much prettier and well kept city. Like the actual yeah. like, spot where I, you'd hang out. Oof, we are gonna get beef going now. <laughs> New York, I just thought, I mean, you're getting accosted by people dressed up as like Disney princesses that are homeless and drunk. <laughs> Times Square, like it's just not, it's not quite as good as it used to be. And they work on Wall Street and they work on, work on Wall Street by, as a side gig. <laughs> yeah, that was the weekend. <laughs> That's their day job. Any chance to make a buck, you know, you got to love a city like that that never sleeps. <laughs> New York is impressive. I, I like New York. Yeah. Absolutely. It was impressive, but if I had to choose between big cities, I, I think Chicago I thought was better. Well, I've got this fantasy of coming over and visiting all my new friends that I've um, made on the podcast. Like I've got friends in New York now. Yeah, um, got a couple of friends in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy called Lou Carloza with the Bankadelic podcast. Hello, Lou, if you're listening. Oh, you're supposed to introduce us, I think. Yes, that's right. I think you should have Lou on. I think he'd be a yeah. great character. And again, do you do your own music as well, by the way? Dan does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do my own music, and so does Lou on his podcast. Oh, no shit. Okay, huh? well, okay. We got to okay. we got to have a hangout session then, right? Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. That's right. We have to have a jam, long distance jam. Maybe we should do we should do a, a intro swaps. We'll let uh, each person take a crack at writing the other groups. <laughs> like a quick, like you know, thirty second jingle for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was going to take some trouble last night and try and do a little musical piece for you guys, but then I just. It got too late, and we're, we're binge-watching Better Call Saul at the moment. Oh, it's such oh. a good show. <laughs> <laughs> yep, don't blame you. That takes priority. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So you 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 did uh, so you have a background in music. Did you did you like do any uh, touring or uh, playing any? Oh, I wouldn't call it that. I wouldn't call it that. I I did during the eighties. I was in bands, and in those days, you could play you know six nights a week um, around Sydney. But Mm -hmm. you know that scene is is all gone. Um, But after that, I sort of worked in classic rock radio stations, and there's a station here called Triple J. I suppose the 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 equivalent in the states would be like publicly funded college radio, but very similar to college radio. <clears throat> so I was there, and I I actually worked as a religious affairs producer at a classic rock radio station for four years, <laughs> which was an interesting gig. So yeah, the music um, background is kind of like first of all playing music, and then being in- ancillary to it. But then um, when I turned fifty, my wife gave me a guitar, and I started having mm. lessons again, and realised how much I enjoyed it. Although now that's gone by the wayside because I'm spending too much time podcasting. What kind of guitar was it? Um, guitar was a Takamini um, six-string acoustic guitar. That's what I play. Wow, fantastic! Yeah. Just like um, who's the guy from the that um, promotes it? One of the guys from the Eagles. But uh, and what I what I have been learning, which I, I just became obsessed with, is with the Americana pick or the the Travis pick. Do you know about Travis picking? No. How's that work? Um, do you know the, the song "Landslide" mm. by Fleetwood Mac? Absolutely. That's that's the classic. That's the classic Travis pick, and it sounds so easy, but takes you so long to get your headspace into it. So I've been studying the um, the history of the Travis pick, as well as learning all of the different um, forms of it. Do you know Merle Travis, old country guitarist guy, Mm-mm. and uh, of course he um, stole it from an African American in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then um, turned it into his own style of of playing. Uh, Chet Atkins is a master okay, of it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, that style of uh, picking. And is that is that where you've got the the pick in your thumb and forefinger, and your finger picking with the other three fingers? Uh, you only need one finger, actually. Um, some some guitarists use a um, a thumb pick to get the thumb, and you're doing a boom, 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 boom. You know, um, on the uh, the bottom two strings, and then you're adding just one in between up higher. So it's boom, dun, 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 you know, I mean, it's much more yeah. rhythmic than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think it's going to be so easy to play, <laughs> and then you just you realize how long it takes to, to get that way. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, trying to learn landslide and also how to finger pick the uh, pedal steel part of it as well. Wow. Uh, nothing, nothing has been better for my guitar playing than learning finger picking mm. uh, and the different the different patterns and how it works. And all of a sudden, it goes from from like rock guitar to like oh, I can play the guitar almost like a piano now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you just you're able to get so much more sound, so much mm. more sound. Yeah, so much more color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it. Welcome back to Two Bulls in a Music Shop. <laughs> hey, we saw everything in the shop. <laughs> how, how long are your episodes, by the way? <laughs> 12 hours. We've just gotten through hour one. <laughs> this is the marathon. We're doing a... Well, yeah, this is like one of those Joe Rogan uh, experience ones, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> no, it's more like one of those yeah. uh, the dial-a-wish or telethons. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? 725-22 Bulls? Yeah, telethon. <laughs> raising raising money f- for those poor bastards who lost all their their dollars on Wall Street this week. As in us. And if I can, um, if I could also uh, shout out to Dave Zalatoris, who's another friend in Chicago that I've made on the podcast. He's actually got a podcast called. 
Beer in Front, which is all about beer. I don't know if you guys are interested in beer, but um, that, that's another great podcast. And he was very generous in having me on the podcast as well to talk about investing and Aussie craft beers. I hear you guys have good beers over there. Oh, I think you guys have got pretty good beers as well these days. It's all that, that craft that craft beer thing. We're, we're, just, we're just very good at drinking it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We got anything else we need to cover, Dan? No, no. Probably going to have to do this again, I think. Uh, Phil, you've been a lot of fun. Oh, it's been a lot of fun um, being on here. Thank you very much for this. I feel like we were getting interviewed a little bit too. You can always tell when you're talking to a podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before before we finished, I just wanted to, um, as part of my research, I went through your reviews, mm-hmm. um, your podcast reviews, but I just wanted to read out one for you that I thought was particularly uh, deluded. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. I'm good at math but bad at anything math could be useful for. So I didn't think this pod would be for me. And here's the key words. I honestly got sucked in. (laughs) Sucked in. Dan and Kyle are charismatic and funny. I laughed out loud multiple times as they went over the financial state of the world. They had plenty of different segments, each marked with fun little jingles to separate one from the next. So there you go. <laughs> that was the, that was actually a, we submitted our podcast to a lady who does reviews of them. Um, <laughs> so I don't think she was ever interested in the stock market. She, I think she told us that she accidentally listened to it when she meant to have her husband do it. <laughs> <laughs> so he could learn something. <laughs> the fact that we but, sucked her in though was, was, mm-hmm. that Dan was a big and Carl are charismatic and funny. Wow. <laughs> oh man, you're oh. dug in deep for some of these. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel so exposed. Like he knows everything but, uh, about me. Are you about to give feel- me my own social security number? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> um, well, I could. Yeah, we we could give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> One more time for the listeners, uh, Phil. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Okay. Well, the best podcast is to well. Sorry, I'll start that again. The best way to find me is to just go and have a look for the Stocks for Beginners podcast. As I said, if you put Stocks for, you know, in your podcast player, it will come up. Uh, On Twitter, I'm Phil underscore Muscatello. Muscatello, just think of cheap red wine with an L-O on the end. And uh, on Instagram, that's uh, stocks for beginners or lowercase one word with an underscore at the end. But um, I don't know. I still don't understand the Instagrams and I think I'm not pretty enough. (laughs) <laughs> to be an effective communicator on Instagram. Um, where else can you find me? What's the other one? Oh, Facebook. But, you know, Facebook's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> Do you find that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really spend a whole lot of time on there. Except no, for, uh, no. we get a few guests that are uh, listeners who message us on there. So that's the only thing that keeps me going back. Yeah. yeah, yeah Twitter. Facebook. Twitter's the go. Twitter's great. I love Twitter. I love FinTwit. Twitter's so <laughs> easy. All right. I am now following you on Twitter. <laughs> I already am. I did my homework too. Oh damn! And if you, if anyone's if anyone's listening in Australia, I've got the Shares for Beginners podcast as well, and um, a much more developed web, website at sharesforbeginners.com. But um, for all of you people in the United States, please tune in. Stocks for Beginners. Hopefully, there'll be a bit of fun. You want to wrap us up, Dan? Absolutely, folks. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Uh, we hope you had a good time. I know I sure did. Thanks again to Phil Muscatello. Thank you, Phil. Uh, you're a Awesome, amazing, entertaining guy. I can see why you've done so well in radio over the years. Mm-hmm. Dan.
Kyle. It's been real. Oh. But unfortunately, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we do have to close up shop. All good things must come to an end. But the good news is we'll be back at you soon with another episode. And until then, happy trades. Bye, everybody. Bye. Traditional Aussie farewell. Ciao. What's the Aussie farewell? Ciao. Bugger off. <laughs> bugger off. Yeah, bugger off. That's right. You've heard about it, haven't you? <laughs> Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.